Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. What's new, Pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's new, Pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I love Tom Jones. This is 720 WGN. Yeah, we all freaked while Kevin was in the middle of his rant watching a Coast Guard helicopter fly down the Chicago River just outside our window. Steve says they're doing training exercises. Of course, Sail Grand Prix, Sail GP is this weekend, and it looks spectacular. Those things are moving fast out there. And that's something free you can do. Come in, hang out at Navy Pier, watch some of the best sailors in the world do their thing. But we want to talk cats, dogs, birds, whatever you want to talk about right now. 312-981-7200. On Fridays, Dr. Dana Varble joins us. She's the chief veterinary officer for the North American Veterinary Community. And you know, 4th of July is coming up, doctor. And it it really should start about this weekend where people start blasting off fireworks when you least expect it. And I don't know about your dogs, but I have one that goes into a panic. What? Yeah, this is the time of year to start talking about this season, not on the 4th of July, but maybe a little bit beforehand. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So is there anything, I know some people talk about those thunder wraps, or some people think you can sedate your dog, but you don't know when they're going to go off. <laughs> That's a challenging thing. You know, fireworks this time of year, a lot of people just, you know, get excited. It feels like summer today. It's bright. It's sunny. People are out and about doing things. So occasionally people just like to celebrate early and i get it but yeah for a lot of dogs it's a really challenging time they don't like those sounds so there are some things that we can do though to help keep them calm (laughs) as much as possible you know first if you have a young dog somebody who's not used to fireworks i hate to say this but the biggest thing to do is to not make a big deal of it um don't draw their attention to it. If they don't react, good, great, problem solved. Maybe even do some fun things with them to encourage them. A lot of times if we're starting to you know, see a young dog that's showing fear, um, acting startled, starting to pant or tremble, our natural reaction is to start to soothe them. So, hey, you know, hey, buddy, I'm sorry, it's okay. But when we're doing that, what we're accidentally doing is, Telling them that it's okay to be scared. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and kind of getting the act, you know, the opposite of what we want to do. So sometimes the hardest thing for us to do, if you have an animal that's young and is just starting to show fear, is actually to ignore that and to tell them it's okay to try and act normal, do your normal daily routine. So you're not accidentally reinforcing that reason to be scared. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have one that used to jump in the bathtub. So frightened. Oh, jump yeah. in the bathtub and then all you'd hear is click, 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 click as, as she shook because, you know, her little feet kept hitting the bathtub, her little claws. And yeah, it's frustrating. Um, there is no time really to sedate your dog, right? Well, not necessarily. Some dogs really start to move into the area of just normal fear where they're nervous or a little shaky into like a true panic situation, a true pan, almost as similar 
to a human panic attack where they're panting, they have a high heart rate, they'll become destructive, not just hiding, but, you know, running over to areas, knocking over furniture, chewing up walls. And in that case, sometimes it becomes a safety issue. And there are a wide variety now of sedatives that we can use as veterinarians that are much safer and may actually be preferred than allowing them to get into that panic state, you know, where, again, if, if they eat your drywall, we got a health problem. Right, <laughs> absolutely. So, and how yeah. long does it take for those things to take effect? Good question, because that is the key. Usually they take about a half hour, 45 minutes. It depends on the medication, depends a little bit on your dog. So the hard thing, like we just talked about, can be predicting when those fireworks and things are going to take place. And again, you can't always prevent the single firework down the street or something like that. But if you know you're in an area where there's going to be a big fireworks display or a lot of noise on a particular day at a particular time, talk to your vet now about how you can best handle that before it comes up. Because there are things we could do the day before or even a few hours before to help setting up your dog to, to be in a good place. A kennel, like you said, your dog went and ran in the bathtub. That's actually really common, believe it or not. (laughs) A small enclosed space, a bathtub, a closet. Uh, The downstairs bathroom in a lot of houses is tiny and dark. Uh, The basement, those are actually good places for them to go. If they feel safe, if they feel secure, they're less likely to get into that panic. And and that goes for storms as well. If you know your dog panics during storms, I would imagine you can mm-hmm. plan for that by watching the radar and you might have 30 minutes ahead of time to give them whatever your vet prescribes. Absolutely. You know, the funny thing is that when I had a dog who was afraid of storms, I felt like I was tied to my weather apps on my phone. Right. You turn on all the alerts, you make sure you know the day before when it's going to rain or especially um, most of us tend to not just react to rain, but to a full thunderstorm with the lightning and the clashing and things like that. So it may be that we're able to predict those things and get them, again, in a kennel, in a place where they feel comfortable, in the basement, and with either medication or other techniques to help improve their calmness. Okay, I've got questions. Everyone else has questions. Good. And uh, Carl's on the phone. He's got a question about a cat next. First, we have to get a check on weather and traffic. Dr. Dana Varble, Chicago's exotic pet vet, is with us. If you have a question, 312-981-7200. Mary, she just said it's sunny where she is. Somebody said the sun just popped out and Will met, and it looks like it's it's starting to burn off the haze in the city. It's 720 WGN. Thanks for joining us. Dr. Dana Varble joins us on Friday. She, uh, well, she's the chief vet at the North American Veterinary Community, but she's also part of Chicago's exotic pet vet. So she practices here in the Chicago area. And Donna's on the phone. First, we're going to go to Carl because, Carl, you have been waiting forever. So, Carl, what is your question for Dr. Varble? Yeah, no problem. The wait is always worth it with you guys. So, uh, Hey, Lisa, Dr. Barbell, uh how often does a cat uh, need to get the rabies uh, vaccination? Carl, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, cats typically get rabies vaccinations every three years, same as dogs. Um, they are required by law in counties, in, in most counties in Illinois. They're not always mandatory, but it's good. Um, rabies is obviously a very dangerous disease, and unfortunately, cats are the most likely to get it because, to be honest, 
that has to do with the fact that we're the least likely to keep them updated on their vaccinations. Mm. So unfortunately, dogs go to the vet a lot more than cats, and we know that statistically. But keep your cats up to date on their vaccinations. If they ever get out, we do have animals that carry rabies in Illinois, particularly foxes and bats. And if your cat were to get out and have a run-in with one of those animals, rabies is fatal. Um, It's fatal to cats and it's fatal to people. So it's important for our public health to even keep our cats up to date on our rabies vaccine. All right. Donna's got a question, too. Hey, Donna, you have a cat question. It must be all about cats today. Yeah, I do have a cat question. Um, I I have a cat who's uh, like two and a half, going on three. Uh, He's a very social cat. And I'd like to know, I'd like to get him another cat, uh, you know, as, as, as a companion. What what age would be the best for me to get? Cool. I love a good cat question. You know, cats are unique in the feline book. Because a lot of wild cats are solo, but our house cats are really social animals. So if you have a social cat, it is great to get them a companion. Now, cats take a while to adjust. So I always tell people, expect a cat to take at least a month to adjust to a new pet, whether it's a dog or a new cat. A couple of suggestions there. Kittens can be fun, but they are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) They are. They've got a lot, you know, so are puppies, to be honest. They're crazy. They're full of energy. They take time. They take training. So there's nothing wrong with getting, you know, if you've got a young cat, a cat that's a young adult, probably still pretty active. I would look for another cat about the same age or maybe a little bit younger. But those young adult cats that grow up together often form really great bonds. You know, cats can live a long time even to their into their late teens. And they tend to grow up together and have a great time together. So good luck with that because I, I love a good cat colony. We uh, we have three and one it just cannot get along. Cannot get along. In fact, I found I found her her claw in the forehead of my other cat the other day. Oh, I'm like, no. geez, it's still stuck in there too. And it's just it it seems like it's never going to resolve. So we've tried everything, and she literally lives in a room that we. Mm-hmm. I mean, we give her a bedroom, and that she has her own situation because. She hates yeah. other cats. Cats are so unique like that. I, you know, and I don't understand it because you'll meet some cats who love people, love other cats, love everyone. And then you'll meet a different cat who's like, nope, mm-hmm. I'm by myself. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> and they're done. That's it. That's all their life. <laughs> and there, there is a key. Her name is Anoya. And it's because she oh. is. But, you know, if you if you take in a farm cat, then you're committed. So we are committed, even though it's really mm-hmm. uh, quite a pain, I'll tell you that. Okay, so uh, it, there's no doubt that the French Bulldog has been identified as the most popular breed in America. It overtook the Lab, which is really um, surprising to me because the Lab was the number one dog for 31 years. So, obviously... People are stealing French Bulldogs. That's an issue. But does the breed itself have some challenges that people should think about before adopting? Or, you know, if your thing is purchasing from a breeder, so be it. But there are plenty available for adoption. And sometimes people tell me it's because they're very hard to house train. 
Lisa, they're so, oh gosh, French Bulldogs. <laughs> um, you know, French Bulldogs, I, you know, as veterinarians, we have a love-hate relationship with French Bulldogs, to be very honest with you. We reckon, they're adorable, let's be honest. Yeah. Those cute faces with the big eyes. They come in cool colors. They have great little personalities. And they're a great size dog, too. They're sturdy. They're a smaller breed, but they, you know, they're still pretty active, still pretty stout. But like any dog with that shaped face, with that flat face, the smushed in nose, genetically they are not set up for success. Um, so a myriad of health problems can come with the breeding that encourages that shape of face, including some pretty significant health problems. Biggest ones that come to mind, the shape of their nose, the shape of their chest, means that we have very, very little lung space. A lot of times their trachea or their windpipe is very small and compressed as well. And then we also have just a lot of tissue in the back of their throat, very small, narrow nostrils. So as scary as this is, breathing for them is literally extremely, extremely difficult. So that can be challenging. Um, we do notice that they're very stubborn. All bulldogs <laughs> are stubborn, yeah. So housebreaking and training, it really does take someone who can put a little time into being a little bit more stubborn than them, but in a very positive training way. They do respond well to positive training, but it takes a lot of it. And sometimes it takes you walking away and screaming in another room yeah. <laughs> and then walking back and, and reengaging. But, yeah, do investigate the breed if you want to get one. Because, like I said, they are. I get it. They're adorable. But lots of health problems, not limited to their lungs, but um, also some changes in their spine. They're prone to skin disease. So you really want to be prepared for all you're getting into if you take one of those guys home. Dr. It, I would, uh, yeah, <laughs> listen to what Dr. Dana Varble is saying, because if you are not fully in and committed to making sure that animal is well taken care of, then it's probably not the dog for you. Dr. Dana Varble is the chief veterinary officer for the North American veterinary community, and she's also Chicago's exotic pet vet. In fact, you can go to exotic, is it exoticpetvet.com? It is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, somebody said, what, what breed of dogs bite people the most? Oh, there's some, so there's some good statistics out there on this, you know, but I'm going to warn you, if you Google this, you're going to see things like German Shepherds, Rottweilers, Pitbulls, but we know that those reports are a little skewed, so I don't like to read too much into those. Okay. And here's the reason why. Because if a German Shepherd bites someone, you're probably going to have to go to the emergency room. You're going to have puncture wounds. You're going to be at risk of infection. You may even need stitches. Conversely, if your Pomeranian bites you, yeah, <laughs> you might not have to. You might not need more than soap, water, and a bandaid. Now, that's not to say that any dog bite can get infected. Any dog can cause pretty serious damage. So when we know those bite reports came in, they're mostly public health reports, meaning the emergency room doctors telling the state or the county what they're seeing and what dog breeds are involved. So a lot of times what we're seeing, what we notice is that smaller dogs, smaller breed dogs, are underreported. So, you know, I don't read too much into those things because large breed dogs, if they get into a situation where, again, they're afraid or they snap, it just causes a lot more damage.
So. Somebody else has been texting. Like they, they've been texting yeah. for quite a few times when you've been on, and you have addressed this before, so we'll make it quick. They've got a kitten. Sure. Kitten decides, I like the food. Next day, I hate the food. I like the food. Oh. I hate the food. Pretty typical cat behavior, right? <laughs> It is. Yeah. Hang in there. Um, you know, try not to change things up too much because I feel like you just make that situation even worse. Cats train people really fast. Don't they? <laughs> yes. And uh, we've only got 30 seconds left, but there's been a TikTok trend that's been around for six or eight months where people have their camera set up to record and they go up to their dog's face and they bark right in their dog's face and they try and get a reaction out of their dog and then they post it on social media. <laughs> Good idea, bad um, idea. I feel like some dogs are going to get startled and might bite back. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I don't know that I love this idea. I don't think scaring people or scaring your pet in general is a great plan. Let's just love on them. Yeah, good idea. Good <laughs> idea. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a beautiful weekend. Thank you. You too. Enjoy the summer, everyone. You can find her at exoticpetvet.com. That is Dr. Dana Varble. Kevin has your sports click, and then we're going to talk to someone from the Illinois State Plant Regulatory Committee because they are spraying, again, for the gypsy moth, this time, Kane County. And then we're celebrating Pride Month. We'll talk about seniors in the LGBTQ plus community and what is available for them. That's all on the way after the news from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. WGN.